We're going to be looking at a very interesting idea. Generally in the Torah we have a principle of That means that if I delegate wrongdoing to another person, I hire somebody or ask somebody else to do something which is immoral or unethical or illegal against the Torah, then that person can't say I was simply following the orders, I was simply following my instructions. Each individual is responsible for their own actions and their own choices and we can't blame what we did on instructions that we were given. We must make our own choices. So if I ask you to do something wrong, I'm entitled to assume you're not going to do it. Why would you listen to me if you know that it's wrong? And in fact, you are held accountable to make those own choices and those own decisions. That's the principle of There are one or two situations where that principle does not apply, where we say where there is agency, and therefore if I ask you to do something on my behalf, even if it's something wrong, there are a few cases where I, the initiator, the delegator, the employer of the agent is responsible and not the agent him or herself. One such case is Tfichal Mechira. The idea of Tfichal Mechira is something we're dealing with in this part of the Gemara, which is if a person steals an ox or a lamb, they have to pay back double the value of the ox or the lamb. However, if they have slaughtered the ox or the lamb or unsold the ox or the lamb to somebody else, then they have to pay four times the value of the lamb or five times the value of the ox. That's called Tebichal Mechira. And what we're dealing with in this piece of Gemara is a situation where I steal the ox, let's say, and I don't slaughter it or sell it myself. I ask you to slaughter it on my behalf or to sell it on my behalf. When it comes to paying the four or five times, I say, well, I didn't do it. I gave it to this agent. He did the the slaughtering, or he sold it on, you sold it on, you should be responsible for the Tzvichal Mechira because of the principle of En Shlech So we learn in our Gemara that even though in all other cases of the Torah, even though in all cases of the Torah, the agent is normally held responsible for the action if it was something immoral or wrong. But in this case of Tzvichal Mechira, where you've unsold the ox that I sold, the shlichut, the agency works, and you in fact did do it on my behalf, you were following my instructions, and it is I who have to pay the four or five times, not you, the agent. So tfichal mechira is one of those exceptions. Why that is, is discussed by the, the Tzofnat Panaf, that's the, the Ragged Shover. The Ragged Shover, Yosef Rosen, lived in Dvinsk in the period before the war, he died in 1936. He was in Dvinsk at the same time as the Osamer, who was Rameir Simpa was there at the same time. Very different personalities, very different authorities functioning in, in Dvinsk at, at, at one time. Rameir Simpa was the Rov of Dvinsk, and the Ragachov, who's this genius of the, of the era, is in fact at the Chabad Shul, although he wasn't a Chabad Chosid in the strict sense of the word, and, and they were both teaching there. It's said of the Ragachov that he was busy with the same ideas that Einstein and his group of people were at that time. He was thinking in terms of relativity and the relationship between time and space in Halakha period. It has been ingenious mind being able to see patterns in the Torah across the whole span of Torah that other peoples weren't necessarily able to see. And the Ragachov explains in Pashat Mishpatim where we have the law of a slave who wants to work longer than the seven years that he's been sold for, or the six years that he's been sold for, and the law then being that the owner of the slave has to pierce the ear of the slave against the doorpost and then he carries on working for him. 
that mitzvah of piercing the ear in that particular situation has to be carried out by the owner himself. The owner cannot delegate that activity to somebody else. And we learn that from the words in the Torah, It's the Adon, it's the owner that has to do the piercing. And the Mechilta says there, Normally one can appoint an agent to do any mitzvah. In this particular case, you can't do it by agency. The owner himself has to be the one who pierces the ear of the, of the slave. And in explaining that, Mechilza, the Ragged Shoda says there in the Tzavnat Panach that there are situations where the value is in the action itself and there are situations where the value is in the outcome. In this situation, the requirement is not that the slave's ear shall be pierced. The requirement is that the owner shall pierce the ear. When the requirement is that the individual does the action, that the mitzvah, and the value is in the activity, not in the outcome, then that can't be delegated to a shaliach. If a shaliach does that, it's not going to be attributed to the, to the owner and the, the mitzvah will not have been performed. It's only where the outcome is what we're concerned with that shlichut works in that sense. So, for example, in the area then of Ein Shliach Lidvar where we say that if I ask you to do something wrong, then it's your situation. You, the agent, are fully accountable for what you did. It doesn't work as shlichut. It's not real agency. You're acting as a, as a principal. That explains the tzofnat padah, the ragachor, but that only applies where the action is the issue. Then we say, I've told you to do something where the action I've asked you to do is prohibited by the Torah. Why would you to do it? And if you do do it, you are responsible. But in situations where it's not the action which is the prohibition, it's the outcome which is the prohibition, there there is shlichut, there is agency, and the initiator, the person who appointed the agent, is responsible, not the agent himself. So, for example, in the law of slaughtering the stolen ox or selling the stolen ox on and if i do that not myself but i ask you to do that then you are, are my shaliyah in that situation you really are my shaliyah you are the agent and now that i have to pay four or five times in the case of the ox i have to pay five times the value of the ox i cannot say my shaliyah my agent did it it was his own choice he followed my instructions but he chose to listen to me he must pay the, the five times of the ox that isn't so I, as the initiator of the agency, I who appoints the agent and responsible, we do not say, in this case we say, because it's not the action that was prohibited per se, it was the outcome of the action that generates the obligation of the four or five times, and therefore the initiator is responsible, not the agent. That's the principle of the Ragged Shavu, which means in the laws of the Zikin altogether, when it comes to damages, there are situations where the whole issue is the damage that is caused. It's the outcome. It's not necessarily the action of the damage. And in such a case, if I am responsible for, directly responsible for damage being caused, then I am responsible for that damage even if somebody else was following my instructions. And we'll see various cases where where that applies. But that led me particularly to consider a situation of Lashon Hara. If I hire a journalist or I drop a piece of information to a, a newspaper, to a, a news outlet, that causes them to publicize 
what it is. I've, it's slanderous information. It's some negative information about an individual. So it's Lashon Hara. But I didn't say the Lashon Hara myself. Rather, I've asked the journalist, I've asked the news media to publicize it. Who's responsible? The news media or the person who actually gave the information? And I want to suggest to you, based on this, on this Gemara, that it's the person who gave the information. In this case, we will say, The media was simply acting on my information, but I, the provider of the information, I, the instigator of the Lashon Hara, am actually responsible. And we get that from a Rambam, where the Rambam, in the seventh period of Echot Deot, talks about the laws of Lashon Hara and how serious and severe they are. And among the things he says is there is, if I have said Lashon Hara in front of a, a lot of people, I have talked negatively about Ruvain, and I've said bad things about him in front of many people. And then Shimon goes and repeats what I said to another person altogether. Shimon has not transgressed the prohibition of Lashon Hara. And that doesn't mean it's a nice thing to do. Of course it isn't. It's a bad character. But in terms of the actual prohibition of Lashon Hara, once the information is out already, says the Rambam, the person now adding to that information, spreading it still further, is not the Lashon Hara speaking. The Lashon Hara is already out there. It's in the public domain. And therefore, it's not Lashon Hara. Again, it's not a good thing to do. But it's not Lashon Hara to publicize it any further once it's already public knowledge, public information. The Chofetz Chaim in the Be'er Ma'im Chaim in Klau Betzif Dalet asks a question on the Rambam and says that's very difficult to understand. The fact is this person is still talking Lashon Hara. That the fact that somebody already spoke badly about Ruven, I understand that, but now Shimon is talking badly about Ruven. Surely that Bad talk of Shimon about Reuben is in itself Lashon Hara. Where do we find such a principle that if it's going to get out in any case, if it's in the public domain or in any case, the action is not, is not a negative action, that the action is not called Lashon Hara. And the Chofetz Chaim explains further on that what the Rambam is teaching here is in his view, the issue with Lashon Hara is the damage caused to the other person. If the damage has already been caused because it's public information, then my talking Lashon Hara is not called, it's not classified as Lashon Hara, which is an amazing Kiddush because it emerges according to that, according to the Rambam as explained by the Chofetz Chaim, that Lashon Hara, the prohibition of Lashon Hara is not about Midot, it's not about character. Yes, it is bad character, that goes without saying, and there are lots of things that are bad character. But the specific prohibition of Lashon Hara is the damage A is causing to B. It's laws of damages, it's like well, coming, like everything we've been discussing these last few months, causing damage to another person, whether I cause it through my ox, or I cause it through fire that I lit, or I cause it through a pit that I dug. Here I'm talking, causing it through my mouth. I'm causing loss to another person through the Lashon Hara. It's laws of damages. And if the damage has already been done, then I'm not doing further damage by publicizing it further. That's how the Chofetz Chaim explains the Rambam. In that case, Lashon Hara is a matter where we're concerned primarily with the outcome, not with the action. The action is a bad thing. One shouldn't talk Lashon Hara, for sure. But the actual prohibition of Lashon Hara is a law of damages. The question that we're looking at is, was damage done? Was there an outcome of damage? And therefore, based on the Raga Chovas principle, if I hire somebody else to do that for me, 
I am responsible, because here we're talking about outcome, not about action. In matters of outcome, we say, just as with with on selling the stone and ox, because outcome is the issue. We say, the person who initiates it is the person responsible and accountable, not the agent himself. The person who instigates the Lashon Hara, the person who provides the information, the person who initiates the Lashon Hara, is the person who is responsible even if somebody else carries it further, even if somebody else writes the piece or talks about it. The one who hired the person or who delegated to that person is the person who is who is responsible. And I then considered, if that's the case, that Lashon is a law of Nesikin, where's the Tashlumin? We say at the beginning of, of Boakama that if a person causes damage, then there's a requirement of payment. The Mishnah said that when a person causes damage, he incurs a payment, a responsibility. Where in Lashon do we see that there's any requirement of payment if it's laws of Nezikin, if these are laws of damages? And then I found that Chofetz Chaim in Shemirat HaLashon in Perik Gimel refers to the Chovat HaLvavot in Shara HaKniyah, a Perik Zayim, where the Chovat HaLvavot says, it is possible that when we come to God's court of law after our lives, we will find that we are credited with mitzvot that we never did. We might find we are responsible for Averot, for transgressions we never did. And the reason is, explains the Chovat HaLvavot, because when one talks Lashon HaRa, God transfers assets and liabilities. So if I talk badly about you, God forbid, then God would take my assets and give them to you and take your liabilities and give them to me. And so you could find yourself in a situation where there are things you did wrong and they're not recorded anymore because they've been transferred to somebody who talked badly about you. And there could be mitzvot that you didn't do, but you credited with them because they were transferred by somebody who did talk badly about you. So we see there is payment for Lashonara. It's not material payment. It's not financial payment in a physical court of law. It's intangible payment in an intangible court of law, in God's court of law. There's actually a transfer of assets. There is payment. Because Lashon Hara is not physical damage, it's damage to the soul of the person. It's damage to the reputation and dignity of the other person. And for that, the damages are paid in God's court of law, not in a human court of law. But there is payment. There is actually the Zikim being paid for. And if that's the case, we need to think about it, that uh, Lashon Hara is included in the area of Nezikin, and Rabbi Fia in Daftalad Amudbet lists 24 different types of Nezikin, and Motsi Shemra is one of them, and although there Motsi Shemra, Rashi says, he's talking specifically about the case of Motsi Shemra in the Torah, where a man causes a bad reputation to his bride, uh, but, but the idea of Motsi Shemra goes beyond that, and we can understand from there that Lashon Hara and Motsi Shemra talking badly about other people is in the category of the broader category of Nezikim. And therefore, the principle that the Mishnah says in the very first Mishnah of Borekana, that the common denominator of all these different types of Nezikim is Shetar Kan Lahazik, that it is normal for them to cause damage. Ushmiratan Alecha, and therefore you've got to protect them, you've got to watch over them. It's normal for an ox to damage. It's normal for a pit in a public place to cause damage. It's normal for a fire that you've lit and haven't protected to cause damage. And as positive as these tools are of productivity, an ox is a tool of productivity, a pit is a, a reservoir of water is a tool of productivity, a fire is a tool of productivity. But Darkan Azik, you also need to realize that these tools of productivity can cause harm, and as their owner, you've got to protect others from being harmed by these tools of productivity that can be so negative. And so we would say the same applies with the mouth. 
that although the mouth is a tool of great productivity, we can inspire people with our mouths, we can teach people, we can uplift people with, with our mouths, we can heal and comfort people with our mouths. But they're also darkan lahazik. Our mouths naturally cause damage to other people. And we have to be particularly careful to watch over our mouths and to be careful that the words that we use don't cause any harm to others and that the way we use our mouths is always productive and constructive and contributive, that we use our mouths to uplift and to inspire people and never, God forbid, to bring people down and to cause people harm.